Roadshow episode number 165 and a half. Finally, and a half. It's been too long. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me. He did not make the trip over here to Liverpool, England, but we've got some of Britain's finest right here. Good friends of the show, Simon Head, Shamakar Sandu are with me. We are in Liverpool, the conclusion of UFC Fight Night 130, Thompson versus Till. It's in the books. Darren Till walked away with the unanimous decision. We've seen at this point. Don't know if we necessarily agree with the scores. I don't even know if we necessarily agree with the winner. Let's hear your take. Simon, how did you have this fight scored? Is it controversial? Is it a robbery? What was it? It wasn't a robbery. It was a very close fight. And we were talking about it uh, on press row. We were talking about it back in, in the press room afterwards. Sometimes you can watch a fight on press row or as a journalist with a laptop. And um, you can kind of get away with half scoring the fight and generally have... A reasonable sense of what's going on. You talk to an MMA judge, Ben Cartledge is someone who we regularly talk to right. at these events, and uh, he'll always tell people, unless you're completely dedicated to looking at the scoring criteria and scoring the fight, that your score doesn't even matter. Your score really doesn't count for much, right? <laughs> now, this particular fight, the, the margins were so narrow mm. that unless you were watching it like a hawk as a judge, you're going to really struggle to accurately score the fight. The sense that I got was that it was a very, very close fight. Mm-hmm. There was an obvious winner of the, of the fifth round, which was right. Darren Till because of the knockdown. The other the other rounds, without sitting and watching it closely, it would be remiss of me to try and offer a, a, a legit scoreline. What I would say is, over, over the course of the piece, I find it hard to believe that either fighter won four rounds. Yeah, that that I would definitely agree. Say, do uh, let me. I'll just. I guess I'll just share mine. I I did have Darren Till winning this fight, and I've seen the online reaction. I've seen, you know, MMA decisions. They they track stuff. Love that website. It, it seems like damn near everybody scored it for Thompson, and I and uh, I, I watch you know the, the a little bit of the reaction online. But um, now I was, as Simon said, I was recapping as well. I wasn't doing the play by play, so it's a little less intense. But you know, I try to have my recaps done immediately after the conclusion of the fight. So I was typing as I went along, um, so then maybe the, the Ben Cartledge argument comes there that the mind doesn't matter as much, but I had Till winning rounds 1, 4, and 5, so I had a 48-47 win for Darren Till. Uh, I will say this, though, in my head, you know, I, I knew that 1, 2, 3, and 4 were all very, very close rounds, and so had they announced, you know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as your winner, I go, all right, what about you? How'd you have it? I scored it the same as you, John. Um, so my perspective, I was in the arena, but not cage side. So uh, like me and Abby, we were in the back tonight in the media room. But uh, thankfully, we were allowed to come out into the arena uh, to watch the main event. Heathens and escaping from the back for the main <laughs> event. <laughs> but um, I always kind of say, look, there's probably two spots that you want to be uh, to try and accurately judge a fight or score a fight. And that's either uh, cage side or on TV. Right. Any other spot um, and you perhaps don't have the best um, you know viewpoint in terms of trying to like you know keep track of the action and what have you. Um, but with that being said that's how I scored it now. If you scored it for you know for, for Darren Till I've got no problem with that. What I do have a problem with is what Simon mentioned the 49-46 scorecard. That's horrendous. That's real bad. I was shocked. You know we were kind of mentioning as we were walking out of the arena getting to our Uber to, to come back over here to our Airbnb. I should be getting paid by all those companies I just mentioned. Yeah. Not a single one of them. Uh, no, listen. 
you know, we were all kind of chatting, and it was, you know, it's, you can tell when the read starts, you know, when they have a unanimous decision. You can tell when he has split. I mean, we've, we we know Buffer's cadence by now, right? So it's okay, okay, it's unanimous because he hasn't said judge so-and-so goes this way. Oh, all right, cool, cool. And, you know, he, he says 48-47, and then it goes 49-46. You know, you, as the scores are read, you're trying to figure out, you know, you're trying to predict a little bit. But when he said 49-46, I was like, it kind of left me scratching my head because I, I just don't see that, that either fighter could have won that fight 49-46. I mean, I, I, I suppose it's theoretically possible because we're saying round five is the only, like, clearly definitive, very certain round. But, yeah, 49-46 just seemed uh, bad. There were two 49-46s. I know. It? Yeah, I was just I was second-guessing myself then. Yeah. There were two 49-46 yes. To be honest, and... You know, sometimes when you see on Twitter, people are watching fights and it'll get to the end of the fight and someone will say, that's a split decision, right? which is the dumbest thing. You I can, hate that. Right? That now, should be a split decision. So yeah. you're saying that people watching the fight should disagree with each other. Yeah, now, that's what you're saying. Turning around and saying the scorecards might be all over the place here, but you don't say that, that's, that will be a split decision. But I, I was slightly, given how close the fight seemed to me, I was a little surprised when Bruce started reading the scores. And as you say at the start, you know that it's a unanimous mm-hmm. decision. That surprised me a little. Uh, I kind of because, I kind of thought we were going for because a split. because we was you know we were talking round by round and you know there was there was about three or four of us all in a row, and none of us could really score the fight or get a sense for who was winning. I was talking to a colleague of ours, Chizanga from uh, the Express here in England, and we were saying afterwards, if that was Pride scoring where you're scoring the whole fight based on the entirety of what you see, I think it's easier to score it for Darren because Darren was pushing the pace for the entire fight and he scored a knockdown. So pride rules, that's an easier call. But when you're doing five, in, you break it into five pieces and then eat because you've got five rounds and then each round you have to rate effective striking, effective grappling, which other, for a, other than a couple of aspects was almost non-existent anyway. Right. So you're, you're trying to differentiate. It's very small margins when you're striking. And people will see Till advancing a lot. But really, that advancement in, in the fight, in most cases, probably isn't a factor. Right. Because somebody's just shading the striking in one of those rounds normally. Well, listen. I mean, it was it, it was a super tight fight. I, I will say this: uh, I was I was I would have had no problem with Wonder Boy winning the decision. I am glad in that building that it did not happen that way because it was so close. There would have been a riot. Or th- they would have gone nuts, yeah. especially when you consider that Till was the one that got the knockdown. You know, as the as the fight is closing, it looks like Till is the one that has a chance to finish the fight, which I do think he probably backed off the the gas pedal a little bit when he shouldn't have. Uh, also, you know, when he got the knockdown, I thought rather than going for a, a submission. He should have just kept pounding away. I mean, he's got those big left hands from top position. Wonder Boy looked pretty tired at that point. I think he was just starting to fade a little bit. As he said, his leg was hurt from early on, so maybe that was starting to, to add up. But I, I was a little surprised at, at how he kind of approached the finish in that moment. But I, I was glad Till, for that building, got the win because it was a pretty special atmosphere. I mean, this, this card was built around Darren Till. Um, the, the Liverpool crowd was nice. Didn't necessarily feel like a, like a special event until the main event, but I will say that that walk-in, I mean, changed up the music, right? Didn't go with the Phil Collins night, but 
that moment where, where everybody's singing, it was uh, – listen, that's going to be one you remember, man. I think that was a special walk-in. And, of course, the crowd chanting throughout the night as, as European, especially, you know, English crowds especially are, are known to do from time to time. But, uh, guys, the, the feeling of the building in the main – it was it was pretty special. I, I don't think we're making too much out of it to say it was, it was unique. No, it's top five for me, yeah. 100%. You know, and I think on paper when this you know, event was announced – Everyone immediately was having flashbacks to Dublin 2014. And, and since that night, you know, we've had a few other you know, moments along the way. Uh, Glasgow comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, amazing, loud, raucous crowd get behind their own. Um, and the story coming into this event was really, obviously, you know, Darren Till main event. You had a nice subplot there with Molly McCann. But if you're a Liverpudlian and if you're a Liverpool sports fan um, in general... You know, LFC last night lost in the Champions League final to Real Madrid. Molly McCann was just absolutely, you know, devastated in that kind yeah. of, you know, in, in that fashion, the way she lost. Um, you know, which we could talk about that as well, which I'm sure we'll get to in terms of the, the referee not stepping in soon enough. But, um, you know, as you're kind of getting into this main event, Darren Till is your last and final hope to, to, to end the weekend on a high note. So for them, great, and and they they definitely kind of played their part to create a great atmosphere. Great song choice uh, by Darren Till to switch it up there, one hundred percent. And and you know what, we just don't see that enough, right? In in combat sports in general, you know, boxing, MMA, kickboxing, what you know, what, what, you know, what have you. But uh, to get just you know that kind of atmosphere, these kind of nights, just a few times a year, it's a nice feeling. And I'm sure everyone stateside that was watching, they wish that you know. In Vegas, in New York, oh. and you know Boston, Philadelphia, We'd love wherever. To have atmospheres of course, like that. right? And 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 that's why coming to the UK and Ireland and some other parts of the world um, is special because you can't buy that. No, you, know? you can't. It, it's a special thing. It was incredible. All right, let's talk about the way the fight played out itself. We've talked about the scoring. What about the fight itself? Because I've seen a lot of people online as well kind of trashing the thing and saying it was terrible. And uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I enjoy the fight. Now, again, it's not a fight that I'm saying uh, should be in the UFC Hall of Fame someday, or it's not a fight that I'm saying, you know, boy, at the end of the year, we're going to be reviewing that for fight of the year. I'm not saying that, but I, I saw a lot of people kind of shitting on the fight, to be honest with you. And to me, I enjoyed it. And, and yes, I guess the atmosphere was part of it, but that's not what I'm judging it on. To me, the, the technical aspect of it, the striking, there was tension to me. In every exchange, there was tension. I mean, you know, I think what cost Wonderboy some of the rounds was, you know, he was relying on his counterpunching very much so, and he was moving backwards a lot of the time. And I do think the judges do like that forward advancement, even though it's not a ton of it. I think when you're, when you're starting to split hairs, you know, the guy that's holding the center 90% of the time and moving forward 90% of the time is going to get the nod, uh, you know, if, if the strikes are even. And, of course, Till's shots when they did land were heavier. But Wonderboy, man, oh, the, the high kicks that he was snapping out there with such speed that, you know, he came close on several of those. The, the straights that he was landing, I mean, his timing was good. And it was funny because Wonderboy was trying to – to be offensive to some degree, but obviously he didn't want to just stand right in the pocket with Till. Till would get him in the tie clinch a little bit, uh, and he had to pull away. But, you know, he was doing a fantastic job as well. When Till did turn up the heat a little bit, I mean, Wonder Boy's counters were awesome. So, to me, yes, this wasn't, you know, Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, you know, just bonkers. But I thought it was a very technical fight, like a very, a very much a striking chess match that, to me, had tension, like I said, in every exchange. And then, of course, when you get the, the knockdown at the end, that certainly heightened the experience as well. So I don't know. I don't think this is a classic by any stretch of the imagination. But I 
I was more entertained, I guess, than it seems a lot of people were because, I, you know, I just felt like the, the matchup of the styles was every bit as, as high level as we thought it would be. I think with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and the way he fights, it was always going to be like that unless Darren just got himself in there and started charging straight towards him, which would have been just about the dumbest tactic he could have come up with. Um, he said after the, uh, after the fight during the post-fight press conference, he was never, ever going to do that. Talking about the early finish, right. planting that seed in Wonderboy's mind. But when he got in there, and you know, we said after the first two rounds, look how calm he's being. Mm-hmm. He's, he's being really smart, and he was closing the distance very gradually. Yes. Almost round to round, he was like half a pace closer to him, and he was beginning to find find his range. And I agree with you. The uh, the chess match analogy is is exactly the one I was going to use. Um, if you watched it with the sound turned off, maybe you're looking at it thinking there's not an enormous amount of offense going on here. Right. From us in the arena, the sense of anticipation. Because if if you know the people involved, Wonder Boy is he's almost like a bear trap. You know, if you if you go running in, boom, he'll catch you. Yep. Lights could be out. You got Darren Till, who in his last fight against Cowboy Cerrone walked him down, hit him with heavy heavy shots and finished him. And all the way through the fight, there was that sense of anticipation: what's going to happen? And because there was that caginess. There is that little bit of, okay, is anything going to happen here? Um, and and I think if you're invested in it, you would have really enjoyed it. Yeah. If perhaps you weren't as invested in it and you were just, just looking... Just casually for, watching, maybe. you're just looking for a tear-up, you're probably looking at it sort of scratching your head a little bit. I can see that. If you're, if you're, if you're not really vested in one yeah. or both of the competitors, I can see that. But from a technical perspective, I thought... I thought it was fascinating. You know, it wasn't two guys who didn't want to fight, that's for sure. Right. You know, I thought Wonderboy's movement, as it always is, is outstanding. No one controls range in the octagon better than he does. Right. And to watch a young guy like Darren Till, who, he's actually got, he's had a load of fights in Muay Thai, and he's he's had, I think, 16 or 17 fights in, in pro MMA, basically learn his way through that fight. It was like, it was like uh, he was taking an exam. Mm-hmm. And he passed the exam. He's, he, you know, even if he'd lost that fight, I think you, you know you could come away and say he's held his own there. I Proved start, he can compete on that scale. At I that started level. writing uh, part part of my piece that I was doing on the on on the event. It's kind of a thing, you know, just a standard things you learn kind of thing. And I was already writing. Darren Till belongs at the top table when it comes to the welterweight right. division. Uh, he just needs to make the weight. Yeah. But but that aside, um, I thought he did. He he, he put himself. And irrespective of the scores, I thought he put in a great performance. He fought the fight he needed to fight. He didn't overcommit himself. And I thought it was a fascinating matchup. It's not everyone's cup of tea. Of course. But, you know. Till is a galvanizing figure. Some people love him. There's a lot of people that, that don't love him. At least that's what I see from the U.S.-based traffic. I don't know if he's universally loved in England or not. But I can tell you there's a lot of online hate. You mentioned the weight thing. Of course, that gives people talking points right there. That gives people ammunition. I want to ask you guys because... We still don't know exactly what happened, right? And I, you know, I had a chance to talk to him immediately after the ceremonial weigh-ins. Asked him, he didn't bite. Had a chance to ask him tonight in the press conference. Thought maybe, okay, now that it's all on the table, we asked Dana, right? Dana said, "Hey, guys, got an excuse. It's not my place to talk about it, but I'll let him talk about it." Then we asked Darren Till about it. Darren doesn't want to talk about it now. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened. What I do know, and and it's fairly common knowledge. It's not like I'm, you know speaking out of turn here, but he has a pregnant girlfriend that I understand maybe a high-risk pregnancy. My wife was a high-risk pregnancy. It's, it's hard when you're like that. I mean, I don't even know if she's the reason. I'm putting two and two together and kind of assuming 
that was something that distracted him. He wouldn't talk about it. And I'm interested to know, A, just kind of how you guys feel about the whole missing weight thing. I mean, does it taint what happened here? Especially when, you know, we kind of joked about it, but he's the guy that says, I'm the light heavyweight gorilla. It's almost like I'm cheating in there. And then he doesn't make weight, so he is kind of cheating. And, you know, the whole situation, yes, it's it's unfortunate. Um, I, I And I want to know what you think about his decision not to talk about it. Because if that's what it was, if that's what it was, is tending to his pregnant girlfriend, I mean – on the one hand, like I would think if you laid that out there that people might have a grain of understanding and go like, well, you know, we're not all parents, but a lot of us are, and we all know what those moments are like and what the, you know, or is it better to do what he did and just say, I'm not making any excuses at all. You know, I missed weight. I'm sorry. I'm not. So just, I know there's a lot of questions there, but, but Sandu, just tell me kind of how you're taking and digesting this whole situation. All right. So first of all, uh, let's talk about the fact that he beat tonight the number one ranked welterweight in the world. Right. Right. Now, Darren Till has joined a very select club. Only Tyron Woodley and Matt Brown have ever beaten Stephen Thompson. He is so hard to prepare for and, 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 and actually uh, compete against. Right. Uh, and he's never been finished. Right. So the fact that he went to the judges' scorecards and he got the nod on the judges' scorecard, you know, good for him. Now... I genuinely thought, not that he would be deserving at this stage, but you could very well make an argument and a case that had he beaten, uh, had he made weight mm-hmm. and, and also um, you know, gone on to beat Stephen uh, Thompson, you could say, hey, you could put him in a title fight now because he'd just be the number one ranked guy. Jump him ahead of the RDA Cup. Why not? Coming off you know, a massive event here in Liverpool, you, know, you build on that momentum. Anyway, let's put that to the side for right, you know, for right now. 100% it puts an asterisk on this performance mm. in this fight. How could it not? How yep. could it not? Um, he now needs to prove in his next fight he can actually make weight because we don't know the situation behind the scenes. We don't really know what happened, you know, what went on. You know, uh, there's a few other things that I've heard um, off the record that I can't actually speak on outside of you know, what you just explained there, John, um, which I think may have played a part here. Um, but the bottom line is, is he needs to make weight because if he can't make weight, then, you know, we've seen other fighters like Kelvin Gastelum miss weight consistently and be told, hey, you've got to move up, buddy, right? True. So, and, and if he has aspirations to fight for the title one day at 170, he needs to forget 171. I mean, he, hopefully, he comes out in his next fight and he makes championship weight just to double stamp it to make sure that everyone understands, hey, I can make it. This was a, a one-off. There were extenuating circumstances that played a, a part in me not making weight. If it has got to do to, with anything to do with his uh, pregnant girlfriend, very unfortunate. God knows how anyone would deal with that situation when you've got the biggest fight of your life, you know, around the corner as well. Um, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, um, you know, look, we as media members and fans and you know members of the MMA community would love to kind of have some sort of explanation put forward by him because I think you're right. I think that would go a long way in kind of uh, putting the fire out. Yeah, like almost like humanizing it a little exactly. bit, or, or you know, just understanding. It's like. You just want to know what happened. Like, let don't don't shroud it in mystery. But but I also kind of res- so I'm I, I'm on the fence on this one. Like, part of me says, like I said, let all the facts be known. Don't make it mystery to where it just seems like you're making an excuse, like you're just making stuff up. Yep. But on the other hand, I do kind of like the you know very like doesn't even matter what happened. Bottom line is I screwed up because he's not trying to put the blame on anybody else. I mean, quite the opposite. He's saying doesn't even matter what happened. Bottom line is I screwed up. I I, I suffered the consequences and I apologize for it. I kind of respect that. Yeah, I think. As a journalist, 
I'd love to know why. Yes. As a human being, I couldn't care less. Interesting. And That's me, true. Let That's me, true. Let me explain why. Let me explain why. You've mentioned the, the, the potential reason, right? We don't know. Right. If, I, if, if, that, if that is the reason, and there's, there's some sort of issues there. That's none of your damn business, and right? It's abs- there's, there's layers to this. Number one, it's no one else's business. Number two, the first opportunity to have floated it as a inverted commas excuse yeah. would have been on weigh-in day before the fight. Um, if 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 a family member is ill or anything like that, and there or, or there's something going on, they're dealing with that as as a as as a as a partner. You don't then want to indirectly or otherwise saddle them with the with with with. Like the you know the excuse that that's what it is. If Darren had gone out and lost mm. the fight at that, you know, imagine I thought about that. Imagine he said that, that yeah. and then he'd gone and lost, <laughs> right? Right. That that's terrible. So so if it's if, fair if, point. If I'm in Darren Till's position, I think I'd do it the same way he does. I I think I say, it's on me. It's my job to make weight, irrespective of anything else. Right. Now he can tell the guys backstage. Guys, this is why. Just so you know. I'm not being unprofessional. I've had X, Y, Z is going on. Out of respect, I need to tell you that. Unfortunately, this is a situation. Now, as media, we do not, you know, we, we, we don't have the right to know that sort of stuff. Right. Right? And he turns around and says, it's his job to make weight. He didn't make weight. The blame lies squarely with him. And he, he, stu- he stood up to that. He said repeatedly tonight, he was ashamed. Yes. Right? He is owning it completely. People are hammering him. And that's, you know, people will do that. People, people will do that. And some people, because they, they you know, they, they either don't know or don't care that there may have been extenuating circumstances, they're hammering him. Um, but when it's personal stuff and it's to do with potentially health of family members, you shield your family from that. So I think he's played it as well as he could. He, I think he, he was in a catch-22 position there. Um, and the only saving grace, in some ways, is that he went out there, he made weight second time round, he, he competed in the fight, and he won. People will put a little asterisk uh, next to it, but at the end of the day, I think he's he's protected the people who he needed to protect. He's done his job, and as Sandu says, come out next time, hit 170 on the nose, and say, we're all good. All right, let's do this. Uh because I, w- I got one more question I want to ask, but I want to play this audio for anybody that didn't get a chance to, to, to hear the post-fight press conference. I am not going to play the full audio because it was like 35 minutes. That was a long-ass post-fight conference, but uh, I, I, I edited down some of the bits and pieces, so the Roadshow listeners won't have to listen to 35 minutes. Uh, so let's hear this, and then uh, I got one more thing I want to ask you. Here's Darren Till. Darren, congratulations on your victory this evening. I know this is a moment that you were, you were dreaming about for a long time and envisioning uh, the atmosphere was certainly electric in there tonight. Give me an idea of, of just how the moment played out versus your expectations. Uh, I, th- I think I've done everything right. Uh, choosing me walkout music to, to get you know my people in that type of, I don't know, mindset, cheering, chanting. And I just had to take a moment before you know, like I actually stepped in the octagon to just like be like, oh. This is my moment, you know. So uh, it was a very proud moment for me coming from Liverpool as well. Very nice. Internet's going crazy right now. Fans, media, everybody's trying to debate the score and, you know, what it was. Give me an idea. I mean, were you and your team scoring it round by round? You know, how did you have it going? What did you think when it came time to read the decision? Listen, uh, it's a close fight. It was was a close fight. People are going to want to say that he won. And people say, 
that I won, I couldn't care less. I, you know, I, I got the decision. It was a really, really close fight. He's the most trickiest fighter I've ever, I've ever fought. I think he was shocked because he thought, like, I'm an aggressive fighter, and I am, but I knew against him I had to be very different and use all my smarts. So it was, it was a hard, hard fight, you know. Very close, very close. And last thing for me, I mean, you've been incredibly apologetic about missing weight, and, but you haven't really talked about it much, and I don't know if you didn't want to get into it before the fight, but, you know, Dana was in here earlier, and he said, listen, I'm not upset. He has an excuse. He knows what happened. I mean, there was a very good reason. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. That's for him to talk about. I mean, can you help us understand? I mean, I know some of it may be personal, but because I think everybody's just trying to understand exactly what happened, why you came in, you know, needed extra time and then missed by so much, you know? Uh, I think the thing is, mate, I'm not one to sit here and make excuses no matter what happened. I missed weight. Uh, I can't do anything about it. Uh, I'm, I missed weight. I, I, the night of uh, having to cut weight, I had some, some problems to attend to whilst cutting weight, so I attended to them. But listen, there's no fucking excuse for missing weight. I missed weight. And, and, and it is what it is. I know people are going to want to throw around now, like, oh, you know, he still took the... F it was three fucking pounds. We're fighting, it was three pounds. And I, I, listen, I'm not trying to, like, make out that I, I'm the good person here, but it was three pounds. Stephen was going to take the fight no matter what. Three pounds. No, it's, it's his coaches and management to then look after him as best, and that's what they done. They made me weigh in a, you know, the day very light, and they took 30%. And, and, and that's what comes with not making weight. I never made weight. No excuses, do you know what I mean? But it's not like it changed anything in the fight. Three pounds won't change nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. If I'd made weight, no one would have said anything. But I didn't make weight, and I'm, I'm truly embarrassed by it. There's no excuses. I didn't make weight. Darren, you said in the cage after the fight that you didn't necessarily deserve a title shot next. <clears throat> How far away do you think you are now? I couldn't care less, mate. Uh, I think Stephen deserves that I go with the interim more than I do myself. I know, I, you know, I've just beat him in a close fight, but g give it to Stephen. He made weight and he's, he's still number one and beat some more guys than me, so give it to him. <laughs> Listen, mate, I'm a realist. I'm not going to sit here and, and bullshit anyone. I'm never going to bullshit myself. I'm certainly not going to bullshit you, so give it to Stephen. I'm just going to go and train, you know. I'm going to go on the air this week and then I'm going to train Monday. You changed up your walkout music. Yeah. It worked. Of course. Um, is that, if, is, if you've found something that you're going to stick with now, and what was the thought process behind changing it? I, no, I might not change it. I don't know. I'm not like a superstitious guy. I don't think, oh, I have to have the same. Like, I know some fights think everything has to be the same, but I just knew for that type of crowd, that type of tune would work. And, and, and I know that all you guys seen it here. It's, I, I don't think scenes like that they've only been seen before like in Dublin, I suppose. So... You know, I looked over at one point and Dana had a big smile on his face. So I, I feel like I was very intelligent with my walk-up music. And I wanted to be. I wanted to have a good moment. It's, it's never been to Liverpool. so. Dana says he's taking you to Vegas next. Well, we'll see. I, I want to bring it to Anfield. <laughs> so why? <clears throat> America's amazing. I've never fought there. The pay-per-views are in, we all know, Las Vegas and Madison Square Garden. But why, why can't I be the guy to to bring the UFC to an arena, a stadium, here, here in England, here in Liverpool. Why can't I do that? Why? Who's telling me I can't? It, do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter who you are, I'll say fuck you, and, and I don't care. It, to me, I want, I want a stadium event to happen, a pay-per-view at Anfield. That, that, I've had the dream of the Echo, that's, that's been done now. Now it's Anfield, so, you know, Dana's the boss, but manifestation, that's what it's all about.
Darren, congratulations on a very composed performance after a difficult couple of days. Um, just going back over that point that, that Simon mentioned there about Dana, he categorically said you're going to America next. Yeah. He's just been in here. Um, we've seen great occasions, though, when British fighters have gone to Vegas and there is clearly about 10,000 people that would travel over there with you. Yeah. And it goes down in history in America. And it's strange to hear you say you are going to refuse it from them. No, I'm not going to refuse it. If Dana says, Dan, you're fighting in Vegas, I'll say, okay. But I'll try and convince him. I'll say, listen, you know, believe in me as I believe in myself. And yeah, 10,000 might travel over there, but 65,000 will fill Anfield, you know, in the ground and, 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 and sitting and seats, maybe more. So I know I can fill that shit out, trust me. Is the title shot not the one in Anfield, though? Maybe, but listen, I'm not going to sit here and say... I miss, for starters, I miss weight, so I don't feel like I deserve a title shot. Anyway, I missed weight, so there you go right away. I don't deserve it, uh, the next shot of the title. Still feel that Stephen probably deserves it, maybe. Whoever wins out of the interim, maybe Stephen or Usman, they, they deserve it more. I've just said this, I'm a fucking realist, and, and I'll always stay, stay, stay this way. I still want to beat them all in the division. You know, I want to come back, I want to put that weight thing behind me. And it is what it is, but I'll try and speak to Dan. I'll, I'll convince him as best as I can, you know, with me, me nice little scouse charm and see where it goes. Darren, you mentioned um, how you thought that Stephen would anticipate that you'd come out the aggressor in the fight. I'm, yeah, I'm fucking roasting him, sorry. It's all right, it's all right, Phil. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't look at me fat belly, I didn't make weight. <laughs> Yeah, so he anticipated that you would come out as the aggressor during this fight. Yeah. What actually happens is you outstruck him in a really technical stand-up fight. Is your goal when you step into the octagon to show how diverse you are as a martial artist every time you get in there? Good game plan, isn't it? I said it I was, was going to finish him in the first and through the rounds I could see him thinking, why isn't this little bastard running at me? And, and, and I had it all figured out I, I, as much as it was me trying to figure him out and him trying to figure me out. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was it was Muay Thai versus Karate. karate. You know, he, he tried to take me down at one point and I, 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 I stuffed it with me wisdom and got back up. But I was trying to figure him as, out as much as he was trying to me. I, I, was, I was faking the left, but I, I wasn't throwing the left. I wasn't wasting no energy with it because I knew he wouldn't be there. He's so good with his head where he goes. And sometimes when I had, had him on the octagon, I'd open my hands up, you know, to make him think that I'm bigger than what I am. That's what I try and do. But listen, it was five rounds of each other. I said this, I put a tweet out there after a big cowboy. I said, what a chess message match it would be. And it was because, as you, the people said, everyone's debating on Twitter. You know, I'm not on Twitter, but I can imagine that I'm getting hated on for missing weight. And, you know, 50% are saying him and 50% are saying me. I won the fight. I did win the fight, but it was close as ever. He mm. makes guys, when he's at his best, Stephen Thompson, he really does make guys freeze up in there. Mm. The fight with Rory McDonald being a, a key example of that. Was that a fight that you studied going into this one? I don't study fights, mate. I, just, I, I study my opponent when I'm in there. That's what Colin's for, Mr. Carbon. I, uh, when I get in there, I feel it and how it's going. If I felt like the, the finish was there in the first, I definitely would have went for it, but it wasn't. He's, he's too fucking clever for that. Everyone who's fought him knows Woodley's had 10 rounds of him. He's too clever for that shit. You can't lunge in on a guy like Steven. He didn't hurt me with anything, you know. I think I poked his knee in, in, in the first bit. Like, you know, I tried to be a little bit of, do a bit of karate myself, but I'm shit at it, so. <laughs> but he, he's too clever for that shit. He's too In the gym, it's different, you know. We're not in a fight, but in a fight, you've got to be very calm and collected. And I think I've just shown maturity in, in fighting years there. I'm only 25, but I was very mature. He's 10 years my older. 
During the post-fight speech, I'm not going to repeat what you said, but you did say something along the lines of who is... Cunt. No, not that, not that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, you said something along the line of uh, who is Darren Till. Now, is the, the doubters out there, are they a key motivation for you in terms of rising to the occasion on events such as this? Yeah, no. I, I don't wake up every morning, you know, thinking who, who's a hater or, or this or what. Every morning I wake up, I want to do me, me coach proud and, and myself. I, listen, I'm in this for myself. I, I start out as a fighter to be the best for myself, not no one. You know, when you hear fighters talk and they're like, my goals have changed because I've got a daughter and that. Well, you're wrong, mate. It's got to be for yourself. You've got to do it for yourself, to, to, you know, and, and I'm doing it all for myself. As much as I'm doing it for them people, it's, it's still, it's all about me and... Yeah, I fucking hate doubters. I hate them with a passion. I especially hate the, the, the fighters and that, that they doubt me. You know, I think every fight that fighter in the UFC that they went to predicted Wonderboy would win. <laughs> well, fuck you. Look, now, yeah, it was a close fight, but I still showed me worth. You know, maybe now just stopped out me a little bit less. You know, and there's no disrespect to Steven. I've just said I still think he deserves a title shot more than me, and I've just beat him, but I just don't like getting doubted. I don't, I don't want people saying this kid just come on the block and... He thinks he's this and that. I don't. I just say I'm the greatest because I believe I am. That's all. With you continuing to stack up the wins and your profile keep rising, uh, you're undoubtedly going to become a role model. Role model. You, you probably are already a role model in the city. Um, your language is undeniably colourful. Do you feel like sometimes you might have to tone that down a bit? No, that, that, it's, 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 an exp it's a word. It's just a word, right? It's, it's expressive to, to how passionate I am. And, you know, every time I go in for interviews, Till, can you say, not say this and not say that? And I say, maybe, maybe I don't know. And then it comes out like Tourette's. So. Do, you not, do you not think that TV network stations are going to be, like, absolutely bricking it when you're going to be coming into studios? Now? Maybe, but they got a choice. They can have me on or not. I, it's, it's no skin off my nose. I, I don't want to be a celebrity. Or I don't, you know, you can give me an interview, you can't. I, I, I don't care. But it, it's just an exp it's, I'm just so passionate. It, 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 it's, for me, it's just, I'm so passionate about it. And I don't think when, you know, I, I swear words coming out of me, I shouldn't say this. I'm just passionate and, and, and that's what comes out of me. And maybe I might have to tone it down, but... I'm not going to, cunt. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
the fame, the money, when or if he ever becomes champion. He genuinely, is it, there's a self-belief that he's got mm. that just exudes when, you, when yes. you're around him and you, and you hear him or, or you watch him talk. And I genuinely feel like he thinks that his time is going to come. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, it, it'll all work itself out, you know? And, you know, given the fact that he did kind of miss weight, hey, you know what? Okay, I messed up. Hey, give Stephen Wonderboy uh, Thompson uh, a title shot, right? Don't worry about it. I'm going to get mine sooner or later. I'll figure it out. Who's next? I'm only looking up now, right? I'm only looking at the fighters that are above me in the rankings. Who's next? And um, I think he was 100% sincere mm-hmm. about that. And it, it, it's it's... It's infectious mm-hmm. because you know a lot of fighters are trying to navigate you know the waters of of this kind of industry and this sport that we're in, sport slash entertainment, uh, under the the new kind of uh, era of endeavor yeah. that owns the UFC, and it, and it's fascinating to see how fighters are marketing themselves. It's fascinating to see how fighters are positioning themselves to get title shot the title shots and get big money fights and headline you know pay-per-views and things like that and what we're getting out of Darren Till is so against what we what else we or you know what we're seeing out there at the moment from other fighters and it's a breath of fresh air i have to say i like it i think it's genuine um and uh, yeah look you know what um i'd like to see more of that in other in other fighters cuz I, I i just think that it's it's it feels natural it feels genuine it feels sincere and you know what? All we want to see at the at the at the end of the day, at least you know, I'm sure all you know this is the same for all three of us, is we want to see the elite fight the elite, absolutely right. And if here's a guy that's you know already just fought Stephen Thompson, doesn't get any more elite than that, you know, isn't trying to um, you know f- you know fight anybody that's not ranked. He genuinely wants the toughest, hardest fights like possible, that. and I love that. I love it. All right, uh, I will say. Uh, God bless him. I don't think he's ever fighting at Anfield. Uh, you know that that's the Liverpool Stadium, of course. Here, I know it would mean a lot to him, but man, I just cannot see the UFC doing an outdoor stadium in England. We should say this has been the most beautiful weather week I've ever seen in England. Like, and especially to know that we're up in the north side, where it's you know usually uh, even a little bit colder than down south. I mean, this week has been amazing, but like. Everybody I talked to was like, like this is like the greatest week of weather we've ever had. Period. You know what I mean? So, like, I cannot see the USC booking a stadium show, knowing just how much it rains here. There's only one feasible stadium option if you want to do a stadium in the UK, and that's the, I think it's called the, is it the Principality Stadium now? It was, it was known as the Millennium Stadium mm. in Cardiff because that has a roof. Right. It's about seventy-eight thousand, I think, um, and. Anthony Joshua's yep. uh, box for a world title there. It's doable because you've got the roof. You can control the climate. The climate is one notorious aspect of living in, in the UK. You've been in many times, yep. John. And more often than not, it pisses down. <laughs> right? And, and, and believe me, it pisses down even more in this part of the country than it does down south where yep. we live. Um, so unless Darren Till can perform some sort of Jedi mind trick on Dana White and convince him that this is what it's like all the time, <laughs> um, I just cannot see that happening. I'm not, and I'm as not, much as I would love it, And I'm not trying to not pardon the pun, rain on his parade. Uh, but, you know, I, I just because I'd love to see it. I mean, I, again, Sandu, you mentioned it, man, the confidence. We talk about that a lot. You know, you can tell when guys are just hyping themselves up versus the guys that really have that self-belief and his is – his is pretty special, so I don't, I don't want to ruin like his vision of things, but I think that might be tough. The thing I find really interesting with Darren, very quickly, 
he's a real juxtaposition because you look at most of the world's best fighters who like to who like to talk. They will very quickly tell you that they are the best. It's an inbuilt belief that the sure. best fighters in the world have. And they will tell you, I am the best in the world. And then the next thing, I deserve to be fighting for a title. I deserve to be fighting this guy or this guy or whatever it might be. Darren does half of that. He, t- he says, he says, I want to be the greatest. I believe I am the greatest. But he also, I think, has a, has a respect. Maybe it's the martial arts aspects of it. I don't know. I think he has a respect for the process. And I think that he knows that he has to earn his way up. Yep. Um, he's been fortunate that Wonder Boy's agreed to fight him today. True. Wonder Boy, that fight... In the beginning and after what happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, upside-wise, there wasn't a whole lot on offer for Stephen Wonder no. Boy Thompson. In many ways, he's earned more out of this weekend than he ever imagined he was going to because he's got 30% of Darren Till's purse. <laughs> True. Um, but he's got another L on his record, so, you know, swings and roundabouts. But that was a fight that a lot of people probably would have advised Wonder Boy not to take. Um, yes. He got the fight. He beat Wonder Boy. Whatever you think of the scores, he beat Wonder Boy officially. And he could easily say, well, I've just beaten the number one guy. He's not doing that, as Sandu says. I mean, he, he mentioned Kamaru Usman. He said that maybe he's a, he, he, he deserves a go before he does. I think he has a healthy respect for his fellow competitors. He's got an unshakable belief, but I do think underlying all of that, he has a respect for the process. He has a respect for his competitors, but he has got that unshakable belief. But he doesn't do it to the point of denigrating everybody else to get himself high up as quickly as possible. He wants, to, as Sandy says, he wants to beat everybody. Yep. And he wants to, when he wins the belt, if he wins the belt, he wants to be able to turn around and say, I deserve yeah, that. Yeah, there's no question I got here. There's no question marks on this. I beat this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I got the shot and I won. You're right. Speaking of respect, how about Neil Magny defeating Craig White in the first round? Uh, respect all the way around to both guys. I mean, yeah. uh, Craig White, uh, what, a, what a great guy he is. I mean, first of all, being willing to step up and take it. Uh, then he was very respectful of Neil Magny. Uh, during the, even just like during the introductions, it was nice. You know, he was clapping and trying to make sure that everybody clapped for Neil Magny and gave him respect. Uh, Neil, of course, um, you know, a great performance, patient performance, you know, as, as I asked him in the post fight, it's got to be a little bit tough going in there knowing, like, I literally have nothing to gain here, you know, I'm, I'm beating somebody that everybody expects me to beat, and I don't know anything about him, but he handled himself well, and uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I thought it was cool to hear uh, Dana White say, listen, we'll, we'll get Neil a good fight, like, I know what he wants, He's like, I don't know if it'll be Usman, you know, who he called out as well, uh, but we'll get him a big fight because, you know, I'm a fan of what Neil's doing. Um, and, and I think that just goes to show that, you know, for Neil the whole time to be like, listen, man, just give me whoever, whatever. You know, we talked to him pre-fight, and they're like, what would you think, you know, when you got this matchup? He's like, well, I thought Sean Shelby's a heck of a matchmaker, and if this is the fight he gave me, then this is this must be the right fight. You know, great. And then on top of that, you know, donating to charity as well, giving it to this 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 poor young girl that's battling health implications to make a huge donation out of his, out of his purse. I mean, uh, the fight itself – not remarkable, I guess necessarily. A great finish, but I don't know. Just two guys that I walk away going, those are those are those are a couple of nice chaps. Uh, our colleague Steve Cook Abbott from Severe MMA was talking to uh, Magni in the press conference, talking about nice guys normally finish last. Right. Are you the exception to the rule? Blah blah blah. And do you think that your very affable, laid-back persona is holding you back? And Magni just sort of shrugged it off, grinned and said, well, that was my 19th fight in the UFC. <laughs> there are, there are, so he's doing something right. He's stuck around for 19 fights and he's, I think he's top 10 ranked still. So, yep. um, 
Nothing but respect for the guy. And um, Craig White, I thought, acquitted himself pretty well uh, until he got hit to the body, and it just it just it just took all the stuffing out of him. But but yeah, you know, I am I'm, I'm quite big on the you know trash talk is fun. But I, I am big on the whole respect thing, and I, I do like seeing that. And I, I, it's, it's good to see someone like Magni, but he just did a little bit at the end with, with that little call out of Usman. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well done. Just a, just a well nice little Well it's, done. It's a fight that won. You know, I should say Liverpool uh, has a reputation, which I didn't really know the reputation, but then I found out about it, of being kind of a, a respectful city and, you know, a, a warm city. And I got to say, I, I really do feel that way. After we spent here a week, people here really, really, really – not that the rest of England isn't nice enough – but they're just really nice here. They remind me of, of, of like Texans back home in the United States. They remind me of my home state. People are nice here. London is known for being very cold and impersonal. Yes, yes. Go, I, I didn't want to say anything. You go on a tube, no one talks to anybody. No. You go further north, and people in general, it's a bit of a wild stereotype, but it's true, yeah. um, tend to be a bit more friendly. You walk down the street, you might inadvertently make eye contact with a person coming the other way. Where I live, you're probably going to end up in a fight. Um <laughs> Up, up here, they'll probably just say hello, mate. Yeah. Well, in a Scouse accent, <laughs> um, and and that is, you know, that is a bit more what it's like. And you saying that um, Craig White is from Devon, which is the southwestern corner of the UK. He got a huge reception both at the weigh-ins and during the fights because he fought for Cage Warriors, and I think he's probably fought in Liverpool for Cage Warriors. And uh, I thought that was really cool to see because he wasn't a Liverpudlian, but he was he was kind of cheered as if he was one. Yeah. And I thought I thought that was really cool for a guy making his debut, twelve days notice. Um, and uh, it was good to hear Dana in the post-fight press conference say he deserves another go. For sure. Which which, which was nice. He um, definitely did. He definitely did. All right, Arnold Allen picked up the submission over Maz Burnell. Uh, fun fight, you know. Sandu Arnold Allen, a guy that's got a lot of uh, respect, a, a lot of hype. It was getting handled. Was was not doing well against Mads Brunel. Mads, I thought, fought incredibly well. Uh, you know, our pre-fight show, you had mentioned, uh, Simon, so true, that, that Sebastian had been real high on Mads Brunel, and Mads looked every bit the part. Uh, fun to watch, too. I mean, great wrestling, great grappling, smiling the whole damn time while he's fighting, which was amazing, which led us, our, our, our pun master general, Simon Head, to uh, to say that Mads Brunel needs some, some gear with his, with his face on it or whatever and saying – why you wait? Why are you mads, bro? Is That's that it. see? There you go. Which, it'd, be, it'd be his big smiling face. It'd be good. Uh, but Arnold Allen gets his great come from behind uh, victory. Uh, give me your take on Arnold Allen because you know again now this impressive career record is in place, and I, I do think there's there's something to be said for character. You know, to 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 dig deep, to find a moment, to to seize on the moment when, when you have an opportunity to, to snatch a victory away from defeat. There's something to be said for that in terms of character building. But in order to get to that point, you also have to be pretty thoroughly dominated for most of the fight. You know what's crazy is um, both with Arnold Allen, Maquan, Amir Khani, Tom Breeze, Claudio Silva, there were so many fighters that were competing on tonight's card that have just been out of action for a quite some time. And it was just great to see them back, um, see them looking a little bit older. It's like funny, um, you know, Arnold Allen's only 24 years old, but he's rocking this amazing moustache, strong, which has added a few years to him. And I, and um, amazing you know, might be pushing it. Well, I, as a, as, a, as someone that rocks facial hair all the time, <laughs> I can appreciate a good moustache. Um, but look, you know. He's had an interesting year. Uh, a lot of things have happened away from the sport um, in, in his personal life. And um, to see him come back 
and just 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 talk to the media, you know, fight and and get a win, have a smile on his face. You know, his old man, his dad being there in the uh, the post-fight um, media scrum, chipping in with a few answers here and there. Was he's a bit of a character himself, jacked. Yeah, jacked. Well, c- did somebody did- mention to Arnold Allen? Because uh, I haven't seen the scrum yet. Did somebody mention that maybe you know the. The steroid jokes about your pops probably aren't the way to go. I, mean, I know, right? I'm sure Usada are going to be <laughs> right on top of that. I Jeff Nowitzki's in, in action. I in guess town. it's not exactly unknown, right? I mean, his dad's <laughs> a former strongman, powerlifter yeah. type person. And you obviously, like you said, doesn't take the, the eye test. You can look at it. But, yeah, I don't know if you should just jump in there and be like, Pop's been shooting steroids since he was a little boy. Not me, though. Yeah. I swear. Clean as a whistle, me. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. I mean, look, you know, um, to have, again, two UFC cards in England – it doesn't happen that often, right? And so to get some of these guys that 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 live here and train here, not have to worry about the extra expense to travel internationally, mm-hmm. um, so they can actually perform in front of you know their own their own kind of you know fellow countrymen and women in in, in the crowd and in the, in the fans, it's a good it's a good thing. And so what I would like to see now though is Arnold perhaps travel and mm-hmm. and and maybe fight on a bigger card in the US. I know um there was actually some talks of potentially getting him on the Boston pay-per-view earlier on in the year uh, and things fell through there. So I know that the UFC had been trying to get that done. Um so perhaps to see him in a in a, in a Vegas or a New York card later on this would be fun. He's he's got that uh, fighting spirit that he wasn't really in that fight for most of it. Right. Um and he pulled out that submission and when he got it locked up it was quick. Yeah. The tap was quick. It was reminiscent of, uh, I think it was his UFC debut in Berlin in 2015. He fought Alan Omer. Um, and he was losing that fight as well. And quite late on, he locked up a choke out of nowhere. He locked up a choke. It might have been the same choke. Very similar. He won the fight in almost an identical fashion tonight. So he's got he's got previous for this. He's yep. you know he's, he's never out of the fight until it's done. And uh, that's a good quality to have. I think he just needs to diversify his game a little bit. He looks a little bit, a little bit one-dimensional in that fight. But Quanamir Connie picked up a split decision win over Jason Knight. Fight ended up being every bit as fun as I think we thought it would be. Uh, that first round, I mean, that's got to be in like a round of the year type discussion. I mean, obviously, you know, when you watch hundreds and thousands of rounds, I mean, there, there's going to be some great ones. But that was fun. I mean, when you get knockdowns going both ways, when you get taunting and 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 talk i mean like it just had i mean this this was it, it, we mentioned it going in it was a we all thought it was gonna be a fun fight and then it turned into a grudge match on top of that and i mean it really became a great fight um i will say this uh i i thought the scoring was right not 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 the split decision but I, I thought 29 28 mcquanamir connie was the right score but i'll say this <sighs> I'm a Jason Knight homer. There's no question about it. So I don't want to sound like I'm just homer for that because I'm a, I'm a McQuanamir Connie homer too because so I, I like both these guys. But I do feel like McQuan showed – he said he was going to show us improved striking. He did, right? I mean, he did look much better on his feet than he has in the past. And then he got tagged a little bit, and then he turned to the wrestling. He was getting the takedowns, but I didn't feel like he was doing a whole lot with top position. You know, like maybe he was staying out of the submissions enough that, that – that, I mean – Dude, it's hard to get points off your back. We know that. You got to be like nonstop near submissions. Um, so it's weird. Like, while I kind of agree with the score of the fight being 29 28, Amir Khani, like, I almost feel, I don't want to say the wrong guy won because I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't want to take away from Jason. I feel like he came in there to scrap. I know he was pissed off because he thought he was fine. And I will say this. Similar to what we said about Darren Till earlier, I do think Jason Knight cost himself because he dropped McQuan and instead of instead of just staying on top and punching, uh, he tried to go for a submission. It didn't pay off. 
And I do think Jason Knight is so comfortable with his grappling game and so comfortable with his guard that he goes to his back like really willingly and he stays on his back really willingly because he feels like he can get something from there. It didn't work tonight and it cost him. So it's weird. Like to me, if that's a street fight, I, I, I say Jason Knight's the winner, but it's not. You know, it's a scored contest with rounds. So I, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm making sense. It just I, I felt like it was it was kind of rough for Knight to have that type of performance and lose because McQuan didn't do a, a ton with top position, but the bottom line, he was getting the top position and he and he did those last two rounds, he was able to spend a lot of time in the controlling spot. You talk about games like soccer and American football and the phrase game management gets used a lot. And Ame Carney game managed his way to a victory there because he was he was in trouble at points in that fight and he, I think he realised by the midpoint of the fight that he wasn't going to have his way with the stand-up. He went to his bread and butter. He went to his wrestling. And as you say, uh, Knight was a little bit too easy to uh, to sort of, or willing yeah. to go to the ground thinking he might be able to catch something. And in the end, Amit Carney just threw, just threw top pressure and and staying staying active in terms of movement at least yep. able to sort of keep the fight down there so there wasn't the stand-ups no it wasn't pretty to look at wasn't going to be anything that's going to earn you any bonus check first round and a half we were thinking well that's fight of the night wrapped up yep. they ended up not giving a fight of the night I know, kind of bad for um, maybe it's because that third round was slow but like yeah. I almost feel like they deserve fight of the night like, like they were the people everybody was talking I mean outside of course Till and Wonderboy like out of everybody else in the car they were the ones that everybody was talking about so like I almost feel like it's like not only do you get Friday night because it's Friday night, but yeah, it's kind of like an, a bonus. You help promote this card a lot. You know, it's crazy. Um, I remember being in Stockholm, Sweden, a few years ago when Makwan Amerikani was making his UFC debut, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember that uh, event uh, specifically because it was probably, if not the best Airbnb apartment we've ever Amazing. stayed in in the world. Amazing. And uh, we had this incredibly big screen, and all we started doing was watching old. Um, Makwan and Mikani yeah. fights just to kind of find out more about his style and see him in action because um, he came into that particular uh, press day uh, media day just looked rocking the most flashiest suit we were like this guy's making his <laughs> debut and he's making some noise just with his appearance yeah. and here he is a few years later he's not with the all-star gym anymore he's now really happy and content at SBG Dublin right He's he's been there for about over a year now, I think, um, and, it's, and it's been over a year since he last fought, and it was a loss to Arnold Allen, and to see him again bounce back from that and get a win was great. He's he's living with John Kavanagh. He considers him a a second father in his life, um, having um, you know lo- lost his father, or um, I can't remember what the situation is with his uh, actual dad. Yeah. Um, but um, he, he he feels like, and again, you know, Macquarie McCarney post fight um, media scrums. They're all always very emotional, right. whether it's to do with his mum or a family member or, or his background, his heritage, his country, things of that nature. And um, and you could tell the way he was speaking about Kavanagh, um, there, there, there's a really strong bond uh, and, and, and relationship there between the two of them. Uh, um, uh, and, and he's now benefiting from that. This was a fight that we were all looking forward to. Mr. Finland, a promotable guy that the UFC have got on their hands. I know that they've been wanting to go to Finland for a while. Maybe that'll be on the cards in the next couple of years, and it'll be good to have Mr. Finland still in the roster yeah. and, and use him there. Um, and you know what? He, he, he's, he's a great interview, good for a quote. 
here's what I want to see. I want to see him fight more consistently now. Yeah. Because he's fighting few and far between, right? And and, and I haven't actually just seen, and, and, I, and I agree with you, John, I haven't seen enough improvements just yet from McQuan where I, I feel as though he's really leveled up right. since we last saw him in action. Um, but I feel as though he's on the right track. And look, this guy, you know, he's 29 years old, right? So... Technically, um, you know, on average, that should be when you're in your prime and when you should be peaking as a, as a, as an, as a, a top-level athlete. Um, but I'd like to see more of him now, and, and I want to see him fight maybe two or three times a year. Claudio Silva picked up a submission win. First round, big upset there. Surprising returning from, you know, almost four years on the shelf. The big upset over Nordin Taleb. Uh, Nordin, I saw... First of all, I mean, just impressive, I guess, Claudio Silva. The uh, What did he call himself? Britzillian. Britzillian. All right. Funny. Funny enough. Uh, but, uh, you know, big big win. Uh, Claudio, very aggressive, very powerful, no doubt about it. It was, it was impressive to see. Nordin uh, did, I see, take to social media and say that he had some claims. I haven't gone back and watched the replay yet. I'm, I'm just being honest. I need to go back and watch it. Nordin, uh, I did see some tweets complaining that, I guess, um, as Claudio was trying to lock in the choke, uh, he got a warning from the referee that the uh, Nordine did that he was grabbing the glove, and I guess he said he paused. It kind of froze him for a second, uh, and he felt like the referee made a, a bad decision to get involved at that point because that that freezing or that that gave Claudio the opening he needed to readjust. Because you remember, you know, he's trying to keep the chin tucked. It looked like he was okay, and then all of a sudden there was like an adjustment and a pretty quick tap. Uh, so. I got to go back and watch the the highlights to see about that. We'll say also, uh, I was told, and we're trying to get every all the details that they almost had a rematch back at the host hotel. Oh. Uh, Nordine was was pretty upset, and and uh, they kind of got into it a little bit. We've only heard one side of the story from Claudio's representatives and Claudio's people, so I know Stephen Morocco is is um, is trying to get Nordine's side as well. So we'll probably have a story on that tomorrow. I will not be writing on it because as we after we finish this, I will be taking a combination of four trains and three airplanes to get back home, which is going to take me quite a while. But uh, guys, any thoughts on on Claudio Silva and just how how this thing this this big upset? It was it of, was of, of your fellow countrymen. Well, yeah, you know, as a <laughs> as a fellow Brit, I feel I should only I should only comment on this positively. But no, I mean to to come back after that that long away. Um, even if you're training for the entirety of that time, it doesn't beat actually being in active competition. So to come back and do that against a, a very tough guy who trains at a really tough, respected gym, mm -hmm. um, I thought it was super impressive. I, like most people, I think, probably expected Nordine to win that fight. I did too, yeah. Um, Not to take away from Claudio, no, but just given, like, dude, given after the layoff, that long, it's a tough yeah. matchup. But he, he was very aggressive and he, he, he really took the fight to Nordine, which I think kind of took him aback. He sort of, caught him on the hop a little bit yeah. and uh, no all credit to him he, he did give a post-fight interview that might may well be the longest in <laughs> UFC post-fight interview history dual languages um, and he was translating for himself it was great he said I, I want to speak to my Portuguese or my Brazilian fans now and then continue to speak in English yeah and, and <laughs> I, it may have lasted longer than the fight uh, it was good <laughs> Darren Stewart, uh, very, very emotional after the win over Eric Spicely. This was a long time coming for Darren Stewart. Uh, impressive. You know, it was funny because, you know, Simon, you were sitting next to me on press row. Um, Spicely's a tough guy, man. He do, you know, he doesn't look the part, but he, he's very, very tough. And Stewart was uh, was kind of hesitant to start. You know, he's he was looking for angles and just not pulling the trigger. And, and Spicely actually started to touch him up a little bit, which yep. Spicely's a, a grappling guy. And then uh, Stewart was able to, to turn things around. Looked very impressive. Uh, 
very, very emotional afterwards. Stewart has, has had the string of losses. He had the no contest. I mean, this is his fifth UFC fight uh, before registering an official UFC win. So, uh, Sandu, what would you, you think about Darren's performance overall, just kind of the emotion that he showed, man? It was obvious that, man, this, this meant the world to him. Well, I think Darren Stewart just saved his UFC career tonight with that performance and that win, uh, and that was probably why he was so damn emotional. Uh, and he kind of, you know... Um, referenced that in the post-fight media scrum as well you know Darren Stewart's a guy that um, you know I, I followed his career and, and covered his fights at Cage Warriors and when he signed for the UFC a few years ago I thought okay this is someone that you know um, looks good good prospect could perhaps you know uh, do the business in the UFC and it just has not gone his way uh, a bit of bad luck um, on the way but the, uh, at the end of the day you know you've got to register wins decisions or however you get them you just got to get them right and had he lost tonight his record would have been one no contest and then four straight losses. Oof. And we've seen other fighters get cut um, for, for for far less yep. in terms of uh, wins and losses on their record. So for him to get that, it was huge. And obviously, you know, the emotions were pouring out of him tonight. And um, and, and hopefully now he can, you know, you know tick on from here and, and maybe put a, a win streak together. Um, because he, he's another young lad. And again, I know this is a bit of a reoccurring theme, but look, he's only 27 years old, yeah. right? And uh, an, an, another Brit, the dentist, um, you know, that's a, a good interview, good character. And uh, someone that still, I feel like, has got some potential. Um, I, I, I do feel as though the the move to middleweight was a good one for him. He looks healthier. He looks stronger. And um, listen, you know, you start registering wins, especially by 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 finishing fights, then you're gonna start you know making some moves. Yeah, man. Has he ever knocked out anybody's teeth? By the way, <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> he's always just going about. Because I'm the dentist, and that's what I do. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't. Now, now I'm just pooping on the guy after, after he picked up a big win. After that win, the UFC <laughs> may well be making an appointment for you know with a dentist <laughs> at some point further in the future. But I, I remember he, he joined as a light heavyweight, and he's a small light heavyweight. Yeah. And he fought Francis Mbahos and. I thought beat him legitimately. I've got to be honest. I thought there was a punch that went in the eye right. and they complained of an eye poke. It looked like a legit finish. Um, the uh, Brazilian commission thought otherwise, overturned it. He lost the rematch and uh, it's all gone a little bit askew for him since then. But yeah, drop it to middleweight. But he, he, it looked like he found his mojo at the start of that second round. As, as, as you said, we were talking during the fight saying he looks a little gun shy. Mm-hmm. He looks a little gun-shy against a guy who he probably shouldn't be being gun-shy against. Because Spicely, big guy, not exactly the most nimble, right. should be pretty easy to hit yep. if, if you're, a, if you're a, a decent striker. Just have to avoid the takedown. And he wasn't really there. He was kind of sort of just ducking and weaving and almost trying to read him without ever actually throwing much. Second round, he came out, decided, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to empty the chamber here. And... Uh, Took him, took him apart. It was, it was very impressive, and uh, you know the crowd really, really sort of gave him, gave him the the uh, reaction that that he deserved there. And it was nice. It was. Fingers nice. crossed, we'll see him on another European card a bit further down the line. Speaking of impressive, and speaking of moving to middleweight, but coming from the other way, Tom Brees uh, oh, yeah. picked up the win over Dan Kelly, first round TKO, and uh, just let's just can't say enough about Tom's performance, man. The guy's boxing looked phenomenal, man. He looked incredible. Um, if I was at first, I was, the, the end was a little weird because to me when, you know, he had that nasty uppercut, Kelly kind of grabbed his eye a little bit. Um, and then Breeze kind of went in and finished the fight. Here was the thing when, when I was watching it live, I didn't have any problem with the finish because like, 
I mean, no offense to Dan Kelly, but it, it was pretty obvious early on, like there's only one direction this fight's going to go. Um, but I thought, you know, the, the, the punch might have been one of those ones where like the side of the glove kind of grazes the eye or something like that. That's what I was afraid of. I did – it was funny because there was a break after that, and I did run to the restroom and, and ran into Mick Maynard, who sits even closer to the cage than we do. And he was like, nah, he's like, yeah, I could see it. He's like the, the edge, like the last, the last knuckle or two – kind of got in and caught you know like and, and landed flush in the eye and that's why it looked that way so um i, I guess i'm happy about that because the punch looked weird it looked grazing and i was like oh please don't let this be uh you know some kind of like slice open the cornea or whatever uh but listen breezy uh, as you said Sandu, after you know uh, another guy coming off a layoff he looks great he looked really good and one of the things we spoke to him about in the you know, post-fight media scrum was how he felt at middleweight. And his his answer to that was essentially, look, you know, you have to fight at the weight class that isn't necessarily one where you are going to be coming in with a, a massive weight advantage. It's what is going to give your body the best athletic oh, so performance. True. So true. Right? And, um, and he feels great. Uh, at middleweight and um, you know he says that you know he should have perhaps done it a little bit sooner uh, in his career because he was cutting a lot of weight to get down to 170 and so he, he looks like a new it's almost like a new signing for the UFC yep. because he's at middleweight he, he, he looks much improved um, and he was you know he's he's coming off a loss uh, and a, lot, a, lot, a lengthy layoff and um, and you know what like we there was a lot of hype behind Tom Breeze um, before his loss to Sean Strickland um, but I think it's renewed now. I think we're, I all, we're all looking at Tom Breeze as this is guy who could actually go and make a run at middleweight. I agree. Yeah, he's 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 a very very shy character, very very shy, very introverted, and which is flies in the face of what you would normally expect from a professional fighter. You think you've got to have that unbreakable internal confidence and. Quite often that exudes itself. In it was the worst interview I did all week. I, I wanted to speak to him beforehand because, yeah. well, hey, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping he'd open up on what happened to him, yeah. which was basically, from what I've been told, a panic attack. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily refer to it as that. And I, I wanted, I, I kind of wanted to like just admit what, not admit, but just walk us through. I mean, that's yeah. not, we don't hear very often a fighter showing up to the arena and then not fighting. You know, like I wanted to hear, he didn't want to. And then other than that, he just, it just doesn't say a lot. It was the worst interview you did. I, it, I'll blame it on me. It's my fault. I was, I was a terrible interviewer. But he's, he is a very, very shy guy. And he even said during his post-fight interview in, in the Octagon that he needs to have more confidence in himself mm. because he's got the physical tools and he's clearly coachable because his hands, I was saying to you during the fight, he doesn't throw his hands like a mixed martial artist normally throws punches. He, th he was throwing punches like a boxer throws punches. No when he trained up at TriStar, he now trains in Birmingham now at UTC. And I think that's another benefit, by the way, the fact he's come home. Mm. And I think he's much more, more com comfortable. Around. Comfortable. He's where he's, he's where he's happy. But when he was in TriStar, he was sparring with Lucien Butte, who was uh, for a while the world super middleweight boxing champion, IBO champion. And um, that's no mug to be standing there throwing leather with, even in you know even in the gym sparring. So right. so. He he he's learnt a lot when it comes to uh, throwing throwing hands over, over the last few years. He's continued that since he's joined uh, UTC in Birmingham and started training there, and he looked phenomenal. And he made Dan Kelly look very 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 old. Yeah, he um, did. Dan Kelly said uh, he was going to retire if he lost. So I don't know whether anything has been said on we'll that. We'll see. Since, yeah, he, I don't know. You know, he told me that he said, "Listen, I, I." He said, "I would like to finish at home." He's like, you know, Mark Hunt brought his kids out mm. and walk out. He's like, "I want to do that." 
He's like, but, you know. And, and I asked him, I was like, when you say you want to retire, like this would be it for you, I'm like, are you saying because the UFC would be done with you or because you would be done with MMA? And he's like, kind of both. You know, I was like, I'm sure they don't want me. But, you know, he is massively popular in Australia, massively popular. And if he says, even if, you know, after this performance, I mean, they put him up against a young stud. Maybe there was like some question marks, but in retrospect now, we know that that guy is badass. You know, I imagine if they're like, hey, we, we, we need to let you go. But he says, Mick, fellow Australian mate, can you, you know, can, well, that was terrible. Can you maybe stick me on a card down there one more and then let me call it, you know, let me call it a day like that. Could you do that? I got to think they'd do I it. I think so. I think so because he'll put bums in seats in mm-hmm. Australia. So, you know, I, you know, there is, there is a, a core of Australia and New Zealand based fighters who, whenever the UFC goes down there, they try and get them on the card. They generally deliver the goods in front of the fans. The fans go wild for them. And Dan Kelly's a, uh, Dan Kelly's a legend down there. Yeah. You know, four-time Olympian. To just be someone who can compete at Olympic level for 20 years, uh, so, sorry, for 16 years, yeah. is in and of itself incredible. And to then say, do you know what? I've had 16 years as an Olympian. I'm going to join the UFC. Crazy. Madness. And he, he, he's, had a, he's had a decent run. You know, he's won a few. He's lost a few. But he's, he's, he's done very well for himself, and I think that would be a fitting send-off for him. Uh, let me just talk about the last ones real quick, and I'll, and I'll get your take on, on whatever you want. Uh, Lena Landsberg picked up a, a decision win over Gina Mazzani. Of course, Gina Mazzani trains at Extreme Couture. I see her there a lot when I take my son there to train. So I, I was gutted for her. I know how hard she works, how excited she was. Lena's performance was not – I didn't love it. You know what I mean? It, it was effective. It was controlling. It was clinch work. Um, you know, she did land a couple of elbows inside. Um I didn't love the fight. I'm not going to lie about it. I, but, again, you kind of have – I'm not putting it all on Lena. I mean, if Gina's in that position and, and held there for 15 minutes, you got to find a way out of there. Uh, Carlo Petersali defeated Brad Scott. Very, very close fight that, uh, you know, Brad Scott's been working with John Crouch. Uh, everybody knows I'm high on John Crouch. I, I, and, you know, we talked to him briefly as he was leaving. He's like, it was that last takedown that won it, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah. yeah, it was. It was that close. The fight was that close. Yeah. That I think that third round was, was, was very close. But Carlo Petersali – Fun man, he's got he's got he's got some style. There's no question about it. You know, I think he's going to be fun. And of course, those guys, you know, got into it. They were gesturing a little bit. They were doing their best, McQuanum, Irkani, Jason Knight impression out there. Uh, they were both giving it to each other. You know, uh, we talked to uh, some UFC staff that didn't like it so much. We'll say who will remain unknown. They will remain unknown. Uh, Julian Robertson uh, kind of silenced the crowd early by 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 just dominating Molly McCann. Uh, Julian Robertson, uh, Molly. Molly's striking is solid. Like, you can tell. Like, she's very comfortable. Like, her footwork, her strikes, the way she throws them, the fact that, you know, she, she stands firm in the pocket doesn't – I mean, she's got great boxing, but she said it. She's like, look, if she gets me down, I know I'm, I'm going to have a hard time, but if she stands, she's fucked. That's exactly what she told me going in. <laughs> well, it went to the ground, and we saw what happened. Uh, I know, Sandu, you said that uh, – and I saw the, I saw some of the, the, the headlines coming out that – Jillian was pretty upset that, that, that maybe the fight should have been stopped sooner. So uh, there's that. So I, like I said, I want you guys to pick whatever you want out of these. Elias Theodoro picked up a decision win over Trevor Smith in a fight that was pretty damn fun, actually, even though it was very grinding and it was – I mean, those guys were going at it. You I know thoroughly what I mean? enjoyed that fight. It, it, it wasn't <laughs> – yeah, you know, it wasn't the most – you know, you're talking about Tom Breeze's crisp boxing and how straight and slick the punches were, you know. Elias and Trevor were anything but that. I mean, Elias throws these crazy, weird attacks, angles, like in off rhythms and from off angles. Uh, but those those two dudes were, were, were some grown-ass men going at it, and uh, and Elias gutted it out, man. It was fun. So, you know, out of those those last four, anything anything stick out to you in particular, Sandu, that you want to touch on? Well, I want to share some information regarding Elias Theodoro because um, he um, told us a 
about a few projects he's got going on outside of the MMA world. Uh, we all know that he's a, a ring boy for Invicta FC. Right. Now, that aside, he's working on, on a movie. He's, right. uh, he's actually a producer, uh, and he's just uh, um, you know, assigned a director. But that's not what I want to talk about, John. And that's not what I want to talk about, Simon. He's got another little project in the works, and that's going to be a... MMA ring boy calendar. Oh, yeah. He's serious about this thing. And uh, he said that he's going to be approaching uh, Derek Lewis for July. Mr. July. Um, so I'm going to put it out there. What do you guys think? Uh, would a, a, a ring boy MMA well, calendar work? And, and who would perhaps you know, fill out I'm, January to, to I'm, December? I'm going to forgive you because you were busy with Bellator 200 with London. Uh, but we... we he shared that with me earlier this oh, week, bro. You okay, know we yeah. had the scoop. You know we had the scoop. Yeah, but no, I did. <laughs> but I, w- I will say, I thought, because I had seen, you know, he had tweeted about the calendar before, I think, at one point. I just, you know, I thought he was joking. I thought he was talking trash. I mean, he really wants to do it. And he, t- he thinks people can make some money at it. He's like, the fighters that we have, we're not just asking them to, like, donate their time. Like, they're going to they're gonna rest share. They're going to get paid. So, We'll see. We'll see what happens. That's an interesting idea anyway. Yeah. Sage Northcott will be front of the queue. Oh, he, that's he, great. Fair play. He, fair he, play. He, he tweeted a picture, and I think it was either you or Abby showed it to me, saying, I'm going to go play Fortnite now. And he's standing there with no top on, as Sage likes to do, mm-hmm. holding a cat lengthways like he just caught it like a fish. You know, like when anglers catch fish. And yep. He's just got this cat strip. It's the most bizarre picture ever. He might have been, uh, he might have been wearing a weird hat as well. And that yeah, shock me. Yeah, well, it, it, Sage is a funny boy. He is, but I mean, he he will be front of the queue to be. He'll be he'll be Mr. January. He'll be first one. Yep. Derek, absolutely needs to it. be in there. I don't know. I don't know who else we'd put in there, but being a man of uh, should we say relaxed physics. Um, I would. I. I, I want to see loads of big dudes in there. If you're going to do a calendar, just put all. Just put all the uh, the natural looking guys in there. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see any abs. No abs. Just be an ab free calendar. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's do this. Uh, I want people to hear from USC President Dana White uh, because he has some things to say. He talked about number top skin. He talked for quite a while as well. Uh, I trimmed down a little bit of that as well. But there are there are some news here. There are some. Uh, some, some, uh, you know, talked about Darren Till, of course, talked about how he felt there, but then, uh, you know, he doesn't do a lot of appearances in the British media, so everybody took advantage and asked about a variety of topics, and I, th- I thought it'd be fun for uh, for people to hear that. So here is USC President Dana White after tonight's fights. All right. The uh, the gate was $1.3 million. It's the highest grossing sporting event in the arena's history. The... Uh, we we did four performance of the nights instead of a fight uh, no fight of the night we did uh, Tom Breeze, Stewart, Silva, and Allen. Those guys all got fifty thousand dollars. So congratulations to them. Who's got the first question? What's up, buddy? How much? Was that a tough tough call on the bonuses? First of all, that uh, Amir Khani night fight was pretty entertaining as well. Yeah, I agree. It always sucks. It's never fun doing the bonuses. Let's talk about the main event. Internet's blowing up right now. Everybody's debating, you know, oh, yeah. how'd you have it scored? My phone's blowing up. Everybody's texting me. Robbery. Till one. This and that. So it's one of the, 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 after the fight, they all looked at me and said, who do you think won? I said, I have no idea. Every round was so close. You know, when you have rounds that are so close, you almost sort of lose track of scoring and, and trying to figure out who won. It was, it's, you know, it's a, it was a tough fight to score. 
Darren Till seems like a star in the making. I mean, undefeated. He's, he's got kind of that X factor. Obviously, it was great in Liverpool this week. But the weight issue, certainly a big issue. So, you know, give me that. That's idea. only happened one time. Right. It's happened only one happened. time, and he has an excuse for it. But I'll let him tell you why it happened and, and what went on. You know, I don't think it's my place to talk about it. So um, I'll let him tell you when he comes in. Okay, so that would be my question. Because he, obviously, he looks in line for a big fight. He wants big names. You do feel comfortable with him that, hey, he can make welterweight, and we, and we, we can use this kid. I do. I do. Hey, Dana, how you doing? Good, how are you? Very well, thank you. Um, what about, he's been talking about wanting to bring a stadium fight to, to the UK. He's obviously got a lot of heat behind him. You know, he's a tremendous young man. But there's a history of our best fighters going over to Vegas, going over to America. To he's fight. going to Vegas next, buddy. I hate, to, I hate okay. to break your heart, but he's going to Vegas next. Yeah. That's great I don't to know hear. when or where he'll, you know, when or who he'll fight, but... Probably bring him to Vegas next. So it's not a title fight next. He hasn't earned that yet. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Right? I don't make fights the night of the fights. So off the top of my head, I have nothing for you. Do you have the feeling that this, that, that, that it's going to be a groundswell of Brits traveling over like the Irish traveled for McGregor, like they did for Ricky Hatton? He's got that kind of working man, blue-collar feel about him. Do you know this guy is going to bring lots of people to America? I don't know that, but uh, I wanted to do this fight here. I, it's what I wanted. You ask any of my matchmakers, they'll tell you this is the fight that I wanted really bad. And, it, it, you know, the atmosphere, nobody supports their people, man, like the English and the Irish, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's very cool to see. It's fun. I mean, the soccer game yesterday is, is, is you know, for, for these two events back-to-back -back and the amount of people, and it's, it's, it's so cool to come over here. We have a whole setup now at the UFC where I can run the shows right from the office. I'm like, fuck that shit. I'm, go I'm going to England, man. I want to be there in Liverpool for this fight. I wasn't missing this for nothing. Finally, you, you, you came to Liverpool... Are you going to come back here again? Yes, we will be back to Liverpool again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Neil Magny says that he wants Kamara Usman next. Is that a fight that interests you? I do interest. I am interested in that fight. And you know what? The thing is, is that Neil Magny uh, is a great guy who always steps up and delivers, and uh, we have a lot of respect for him. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if Usman is, is going to be next, but we're going to give him something he wants. I, I, I get where he's going with that, so... We'll, we'll, we'll get him going in the right direction. Uh, there was talk of you having a meeting with Conor McGregor in Liverpool. Was that supposed to take place at this event, or is, was that a behind-closed-doors event? I, I thought that was going to be the first question I got when I walked in here. I'm proud of you guys. Yeah. Um, the slow build-up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Conor and I are going to meet in Vegas. You're going to meet in Vegas? Yeah. And what is the situation with you two? Are, are you on good terms at the moment, or is that to be decided when you meet? Yeah, I mean, he and I haven't seen each other since New York, so we haven't seen each other, we haven't talked, nothing, so we need to get together soon. I mean, I'm, I've been hearing he's been in training. Are your thoughts right now on getting a fight booked with him before the year is over? Is that something that fans can expect? It depends on what goes on with him in New York in June. Okay. So, uh, Dana, you said a lot is to be decided of Connor's career, depending on how things happen in June. Uh, well, we can't, we can't determine anything about what's next for him until June is cleared up. If ideal scenario, things go, things go smoothly, everyone's talking about Khabib versus Connor. It, it, would that, you know, like, like I said, fingers crossed, things go as planned. Is that a plan for you? 
I'm, I'm pretty confident that that is the fight that Connor wants, and I'm pretty confident that that is the fight that Khabib wants. So, yeah, I could see that happening. And i uh, got to ask as well, uh, last time we saw Alexander Gustafsson, he looked phenomenal. Uh, there was the, the fight with Rockhold was supposed to be happening. That's off the table now, it seems. Uh, what do you see for a future for Gustafsson? He's, he's so yeah, close, but not... No, we have to get him another opponent. Yeah, we're going to keep him on that card and get him another opponent. Yeah, Rockhold screwed up his shin, so... And, you know, just off the top of your head, who would that opponent be? No clue. No clue right now. That's what I got to work on when I get home. Okay, thank you. Cool. Dana, you've been a big boxing guy for a long time now, and there are a lot of rumors going around that you've been in discussions with the likes of Mikey Garcia with the launch of Zuffer Boxing. Is there any truth to that? And how serious are you looking to become a promoter in the boxing game? Yeah, no, that's, that is true. And, and Mikey and I have got together a few times, and uh, I like him a lot, and he likes us, and... Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I have obviously been crazy busy on this television deal. You know, we, we were the, the clock was ticking. We were down to like seven months right now until we till, till we move from from Fox to ESPN. So that that thing was a huge priority. We had to get that thing done, and then that'll free up some time for me to focus on other stuff that I want to do. Would that affect your status with the UFC? Because it seems like you're running on short time you can't fit more hours on in the yeah. day oh, you're right that's, that, that is a great observation um <clears throat> no so what would happen is I, what i would do is I, I would get it going and i would put somebody else in there to run it was the rumors of you because there were there were initial rumors of you going over to cardiff for the anthony joshua joseph parker fight yeah over you discussing a deal with eddie hearn in some capacity yeah how come that didn't happen? What happened was <clears throat> the last couple months I've had some bad health issues with my, with my ear. Yeah. So I was dealing with that. That's why I couldn't make the flight over to England that time. Um, and yeah, yeah, we, I, I was talking to them. And then, uh, you know, Eddie Hearn ended up landing that, that, that you know, big TV deal. And it seems he, like it's going to be the battle of the billionaires at the moment. Nah. He's, he's just struck a billion dollar deal himself, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that, that's great. It's great for the sport of boxing. It's, it's great for him. I'm, I'm not looking to come in and, and, and steal anybody from, you know. I'm another guy who can offer some money, and, you know, it, if anything, it's, it's, it's great for the boxers, you know. And, uh, you know, I'd said many times that I thought he was the most marketable guy in the world. Good-looking kid, you know, big, strong guy. And, and uh, you know, Eddie, Eddie Hearn handled his business and, 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 and you know, got him straight. So it's, it's all good. I'm, I'm not out there trying to uh, steal anybody from anybody. Another question. Uh, Yai Rod Rodriguez uh, recently got cut from the UFC. And uh, you talked about him uh, refusing two fights, but can you elaborate, elaborate a little more on, on the situation and why you decided to cut uh, one of the prospects uh, of the UFC? Yeah, because we, we offered him fights. He turned down the fights. You know, um, you know, there was a lot more back and forth that went on with that. If you don't want to fight, this isn't the place to be. There's plenty of places out there that'll take Yair Rodriguez and, and would love to have him and we'll sign him and I'm sure he'll have a great career. This isn't the place for you. Is uh, the door open for him for, to come back maybe in the future? I don't know. We'll see. Thank you. When I call you and offer you a fight, you should probably take it. 
should probably take it. I make 42 fights a year. And if you don't want to fight and you want to be picky and choosy and you don't want to do this and you don't want to do that, then you probably need to go somewhere else. And I'll help you get there. Dana, um, obviously Darren Till is the, the guy who's going to grab all the headlines this weekend. It's, but it was a bit of a tricky weekend for him with the, you know, the weight cut issues and all the things that happened leading into the fight. Talk to us about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and how he conducted himself during that process and your dealings with him and his camp during that tricky, tricky spell. Because he could have been quite within his rights to have said, do you know what? I'm not going to take this fight now. Absolutely. He absolutely could have. And uh, him, his father, his camp, all absolute professionals, and, and I have nothing but respect for them. They, uh, yeah, believe me, th there's plenty of guys on this roster that would have uh, would have bailed uh, on that fight. And uh, you know, I have a ton of respect for him. And obviously, we'll we'll do everything we can to to give him what he wants and um, in his next fight. What do you think? might obviously without naming names because you, you know you don't do that in press conferences, but. He fought, uh, he's number one contender, was number one contender, fought a guy lower in the rankings than him and has lost a, lost a decision. There's an interim title fight doing the rounds. There's obviously Tyron as a world champion. What do you think the next logical move is for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson now after today? Uh, you know, there's still a lot of guys in, in that division that uh, we'll see where he ends up in the rankings, but, we'll, you know, there's still a ton of guys for him to fight in there. And, uh, you know, he, he lost twice. To the champ, you know, so he's one of the, it's one of those situations where, you know, he got to take on all comers, you know, he doesn't have a title shot lined up anytime soon. And, uh, but now that he's fought this fight, he could fight another one of these guys and get right back to the top again immediately. Okay. He's talented enough. One more from me. Um, you've got an active champion in Tyron Woodley who's looking to come back. You've got an interim title fight. Uh, in, in the makings that's coming up soon. Are you, is the plan to convert that interim title into a unified title, or are you going to give that a bit of a life of itself as well and try and perhaps look at Darren as a potential interim champion and, and stick him in there with the winner of that fight? I honestly don't know right now. Right now, you know, get home, play out the rest of this month, see what happens in these fights that are coming up, and then... Uh, We'll, we'll figure out what's next for, for, for Till and for Wonderboy. A recent development that happened in the MMA world was uh, Chuck Liddell announcing that he's coming out of retirement and possibly working with Oscar De La Hoya. Right. Uh, I know initially you weren't the biggest fan of such a pairing happening. What's your thoughts now that Chuck has officially announced that he's coming out of retirement? Well, I said this before. I hope he's coming out of retirement to be partners with De La Hoya and not to fight. I hope he doesn't fight. And perhaps do you think that Oscar is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, just uh, taking advantage of Chuck and using him as a big name to make headway into the MMA world? I don't know if De La Hoya is that smart. <laughs> yeah. He isn't the brightest bulb on the porch. Okay. And Oscar De La Aram is not <laughs> that bright, but um, I don't know what he's thinking. Hopefully, hopefully he's, Chuck's going to be his business partner and not fight. Um, you know, I, I, I don't. The last thing I want to do is shit on Chuck Liddell because I love him, you know. And uh, but I asked him to retire ten years ago for a reason. And uh, final one for me. You said that you want to take Darren Hill stateside next to particular to Vegas. 
any time frame for that off the top of the head or um no i mean the kid just fought so i, I gotta i gotta figure out what's next and where and all that stuff but yeah I, <clears throat> i'd like to bring him to vegas for his next fight perhaps the end of year card maybe or? maybe Right, the UFC boss uh, never holding back. There's some there's some things we could talk about, but uh, we'll save that for another day. We'll, we'll we'll break it down at another time. The the Yair Rodriguez stuff was uh, was pretty intense there. There was uh, you know I, the, the Chuck Liddell stuff was was strong as well. You know, standing firm in the fact that he doesn't uh, doesn't want to see that happen. So uh, lots of stuff there. It was it was good for it's good for UFC president Dana White to make it out of here, right? Like I said, like you guys as British media don't always necessarily get to speak to him and, and so I mean those will generate some headlines and, and give you guys some copy of some things to work with. Uh, okay listen, I, I I gotta share one story real quick before we get out of here. Uh, this was a fun weekend for me. I enjoy I as you guys know I am a soccer fan, football if if you will. Uh, we did get to uh, you know be part of a, a Champions League final being here in Liverpool uh, again, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I wasn't initially going to go out and brave the elements. I was a little bit scared. I'm not going to lie. Just like, man, if I go by myself or one or two people, it's going to be bad. Ended up getting an invitation uh, over to uh, a place called Shooters that was over here at uh, Liverpool One, which is a beautiful shopping center just around the corner with a bunch of shops and bars and restaurants. And, stuff. and I got to say, the atmosphere was pretty good. Again, Liverpool people. Pretty cool, man. They're, they're warm people, fun people. had a good time. Uh, but if, if you watch the game – uh, it was. It did not go well for Liverpool. They they played good early on, man. They played really good early on. Uh, but Real Madrid is a solid team. The goalie basically gave up a goal by by screwing up. He had just a, a complete mental lapse. Uh, you could go into details about that, but he screwed up. Is the bottom line. Liverpool fans thought maybe there was some problems with the goal. There wasn't. Uh, one down. Uh, they battled back. They leveled it up. 1-1, one, one, right? Oh, man, the place went nuts. I mean, you guys, you've grown up with it. It's not even special to you anymore. It's like it's like me going to the strip, you know what I mean? You're like, bro, this is amazing. And I'm like, bro, it's a street with buildings. It's fine, you know? So I was, like, loving the atmosphere. It was nuts. People were good. Guys standing on tables and dancing and partying and all that. It was great. And then Gareth Bale just scores this nasty – I mean, beautiful overhead kick, you know. I mean, this is, you know, if you're a casual fan at best or don't even like soccer, it's it's like what you think of when you think of Pelé, right? I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the bicycle kick, the overhead, and it was gorgeous. It was right? a highlight reel knockout. It was a highlight reel knockout. There you go. I mean, this was highlight reel knockout. This is, it would be on Sports Center, you know. I mean, it was it was amazing. 2-1, and, and everybody was sad, but the, the, because it was such a beautiful knockout, everybody was just like, damn. But that, what are you going to do? That was amazing. But we got to battle back. We got to battle back. And then as they're trying to battle back and they're pushing, and uh, a third goal is given up, and it is atrocious. If if that was a highlight reel knockout, the second goal, wh- what was the third? It was – it was a it was a guy knocking himself out of an uppercut. <laughs> That's what it was. It was swinging at an uppercut, knocking himself out. Basically, a shot came in from distance. The keeper should have easily been able to feel the ball, and for whatever reason, it just bounced off his hands. It's like he didn't know if he wanted to catch it or punch it or something. He got caught in between decisions, and it just went in. It trickled in. It was awful. And at that moment, the place we were at, shit got bad. It got bad, and not and again. Kudos Liverpool. Because I will say, I think if we were in some other England cities, there would have been a lot of people going mad. 
It was just a handful. Unfortunately, that handful happened to be sitting right next to where I was and a couple of other people, including the wonderful Luciana Andrade, who tweeted that I saved her life. Now, you're picking yourself up, Angel. She is a kind – well, I got a lot of questions about it. A lot of people were asking me what happened, so I figured I'd at least share a little bit of the story. Uh, I will say she is a little bit kind in her description of what happened. I would not say that I went so far as to save her life, but – there was a group of people next to us, and, and I was with you know a group of people, including a couple of USC staff, including uh, Luciana Andrade. But somebody threw – now, I, I should preface this by saying I had been in the bathroom with this guy. Well, that sounds bad. I was in the Choose bathroom. Words, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to the bathroom when this gentleman also came and went to the bathroom at the same time. He had had a cocktail or two. Frosty beverages were flowing. And Sergio Ramos, who was a Spanish player who uh, had injured Liverpool's star player, basically, there had been a kind of a – it looked like kind of a dirty play to me, to be honest with he you. He arm-dragged him. Yeah, he arm yeah. He did. He, ar- <laughs> he legit arm-dragged him and, and injured Mo Salaga's shoulder, who was an Egyptian national player, uh, led, led the Premier League in scoring this year. So, I mean, this is a huge star player that gets taken out of the game. This guy in the bathroom, it's so funny. He's peeing, and he's, 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 he's just – free balling as he pees and he's got his hands up and he he literally is is banging on the wall in front of the on, on the urinal you know the wall over the urinal he's like if i ever see sergio ramos in a pub i swear on my fucking daughter's life i will stab him in his fucking neck i was like oh, okay all right you know and i'm just trying to like pee and mind my business and he kind of turns to me and starts trying to talk to me he's like I was in Turkey. I was, you know, he's like telling me his fandom and you know how how deep his Liverpool ties go. I'm assuming that if you're willing to stab someone in the neck for injuring a player, uh, you, you probably have deep ties. Now the chances of him ever you have running into, is what you have. yeah, the, the chances of him ever running into Sergio Ramos are are, are pretty low. I'm gonna say, uh, but still, Sergio Ramos. Be known that if this guy ever runs into you, he's stabbing you in his neck. And by the way. If Sergio Ramos ever gets stabbed in the neck by someone, you know the guy. Alert me because I can ID the guy. All right, I got it. So that had happened. The third goal goes in, and all of a sudden, this guy didn't see it thrown, but saw the address. Takes a glass and just chunks it against the wall. We were watching on like a projector screen, so uh, luckily it doesn't break the TV because it's a screen. But the the glass shatters everywhere, and instantly people look over there. And this dude starts, like, yelling at people, like, what are you doing? Including some of the people that we were with. And then the, the, the crews started going at it, and people are yelling. And a couple, a couple of even in this crew were trying, like, hey, 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 our guy screwed up. Let's settle this. But it didn't all happen, right? So, so the guys were going at it, and Luciana had happened to be sitting, like, literally right in front of me. And, I mean, I did what anybody would do, right? I mean, I've, Luciana's great. I've known her for a long time. She's super sweet. But bottom line is if you're in a situation like that and you see a girl in front of you, the first thing you're going to do is, like, shield her, right? So that's what I did. I just kind of, like, wrap my arms around her, shield her, kind of pull her out of the way a little bit uh, to make sure, like, if there was more debris coming that it would hit me, not her, um, that kind of stuff. So it got rough, and security, like, took this dude to the ground, and it was it was on. They, they, they handle business, all right? They handle business. I mean, really drunk people aren't that hard to fight, but they handle business. So it started kind of settling, but then right then, right as we thought, like, okay, this this has been stopped, there was a, a woman in that group, and all of a sudden she identified another woman in our group and for whatever reason just decided to, like, kind of re-escalate things, and it just kept going. And, and yeah, it got – things were uh, – it got ugly for a minute, 
fortunately, security came in. Cooler heads prevailed. I won't go into all the details, but I did have people wondering, uh, you know, what did you do to save her life? Really, I just became a human shield. Imagine going out, getting that drunk, that you decide to start a fight with the UFC table. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm thinking they probably, I mean, uh, there were no fighters there. Well, actually there was, but uh, (laughs) not anybody that was competing, obviously, but. Off duty. Yeah, there could have. There could there were some people and then yeah, could've it could have gotten bad yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it could have gotten bad yeah. but uh, but it was wild so I was glad you know it was funny because I was glad I went and experienced that like I, I'm not gonna lie I was just gonna watch it at the hotel because I, I was kind of nervous to get out there I mean dude you know it was stuff like that 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 would happen only like ten times worse but overall they were pretty cool and then once those people got ushered out like of course the Liverpool people were sad man they were bummed but overall I think everybody was like hey man we got to we, hey we played a great team we got to the final that's pretty special and. Again, I just want to shout out. I like the people of Liverpool. They're Un- cool people. Unfortunate that LFC, Liverpool FC lost the game, but uh, fortunate for us oh. here in Liverpool working <laughs> this UFC event because yes. had Liverpool won the Champions League final, there was a parade that would have been scheduled for today. And from what we were told by UFC PR uh, staff, it would have taken both uh, the fighters and staff members and pretty much Everyone connected to covering or being involved three hours. in this event, three hours to get to the arena. Think about this. It's about the, the, the host hotel, the Radisson Blue was the host hotel, the Echo Arena. It's literally like a 10 to 15 minute walk. It just happens to be on the exact parade route. So they literally would have had to bus people like all the way around the city to avoid the, the, the walking and, 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 or avoid the parade route and you think well could, couldn't they just walk them but no because like the people would be they said it would be like a million people would be overflowing the streets which is so stupid because tomorrow Monday is a holiday you could easily do it Monday the fans that were at the at the game wouldn't even be back in time they were saying some of the players might not even make it back in time dumb but yeah you're right I think inside no, nobody wanted to verbalize it on the outside but I think inside pretty much everybody at the UFC was Slightly hoping Real Madrid to win because, yeah, for there to be a parade right as zero. Can you imagine? Darren Till would have had to, like, make weight at 1 o'clock and then hop on a bus and head over. He'd get there just in time for his fight. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Anyway. Craziness. That's Craziness. what happened. But it's 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 been it's been good fun up here. And as you mentioned, you know, the people have been great. Yep. The atmosphere has been great. Um, and for the people of Liverpool, particularly the red half of Liverpool, to have uh, – so I've had a bit of a downer on Saturday night. Those people that then tuned in or came in and, uh, and, and bought a ticket and went to the show tonight, they've gone away happy. Their sporting weekend has been, uh, at least at least at some point, has been has been sort of uh, saved. Partially made say. back up. Thanks, and just and just to add to that a little bit, I think it's been great just from both Simon, Abby and myself and a few others here uh, that are based here in the UK that, and that cover MMA to cover Bellator 200 in London and then come straight to Liverpool to cover... Pretty crazy what you guys did. Crazy, but fun. It's been a good yeah. week. You Could guys... I mean, you guys have barely been on the ground like 36 hours at this point right here in Liverpool, right? I mean, you guys... Yeah. We got driven here by a former Bama world champion who, due to some crazy mix-up over the van that we were supposed to get, um, ended up driving us... Alex... Alex... The kid, Lahore, who up until recently was the Bama world to weight champion... And I think it's fought on Bellator as well. Um, he drove us through the night, uh, stopped us off so we could get some grub, then drove us all the way up to Liverpool. We arrived in Liverpool about 6.30 Saturday morning, rolled in hot to the weigh-ins. We were joking about it. The fight is getting on the scale. 
thinking, blimey, I feel terrible, but not as bad as that lot. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were a mess when we arrived. But it's been it's been an absolutely exhausting week, and but it's been it's been good, and to to sort of see that a we've got a British star on our hands, without any doubt. B the UFC are coming back to Liverpool. Dana White said that. Yep. We're getting the UFC are coming back to Liverpool. That's going to be fantastic. And C to have the experience of being in the arena when Darren Till walked out. That's going to be one of those one of those moments that will stick with me for a while. Yeah. It was a, it was a special moment on. On a, on a big big night for Darren Till. You guys deserve some credit, man. You guys, uh, you guys were hosses, dude. That's that's something even I could be proud of. Now, now I'm gonna be an idiot and go get on four trains and three planes over the next 24 hours to get back home. So, you guys could go home and be refreshed. So, yeah, listen, I gotta get this thing uploaded. I gotta get packed. I get out of here. Uh, my first train's in less than an hour, and if uh, if I miss up any of this along the way, I might not see my wife and son before they go to Mexico, and they will uh, they will let me know about it. I can assure you. So, I better rush off. Thanks for listening.